God is faithful. And His presence is incredibly powerful. Man, thank you for allowing us to <laughs> engage with you just in, in singing together, raising our voices together, and experiencing the presence of the holy and living God. So really super encouraged about that. Uh, my name is Trace. If I hadn't had a chance to meet you, I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to start, before we dive into the message, just to kind of echo some of the things that Christy said in our opening. If you could just play the slide thingy. So there's some pictures that are going to play in the background, but God put on this, on our hearts, a desire to want to serve this community in meaningful ways. And we've been in this school for eight years, and we've done a lot of cool things. We've helped with school-sponsored events. We've held our own events. We've built gardens. We've done lots of really neat things. But as my wife said, I don't think there's been anything as as impactful as what we accomplished yesterday. What I should say the Lord accomplished through us, really. Um, We had two weeks of training to get ready for this, and very little of it had to do with what you see actually taking place. Soccer and snacks and food, logistical stuff is important. But aside from that, the idea was to get people like that, engaged in conversations with people like that, in more than just, hey, how's school going for your kid or how's the weather? You know, those things are important starters. But the kinds of conversations that I heard and that I participated in like, I had to pull people away. Like, we've got something to go to next. Like, I love you, but we gotta, we got to move this thing along. Uh, because what we did afterwards was gather with the other four churches that were doing the same thing at the same time in different locations around the city and shared what God was doing. People would stand up, share a story, and we would cheer, and we'd pray and thank God for what he did. And there was, I don't know, maybe 15, a dozen stories Uh, Many of which came from people in this room who stood up and said, this is what God did through this experience for me. It stretched me in this way. I had this conversation with people. How many of you here came away with somebody's phone number that you could potentially reach out and contact? A lot of hands going up. Um, That's a beautiful and amazing thing because, did you know God is interested in having his name made great throughout the entire globe? That's his, that's his desire, is to see the knowledge of his glory fill the earth as the water covers the sea. Like, this is what we do as a church. It all happens outside of this building. 95 plus percent of you in this room are probably believers. So what we're doing right now is an equipping to go out and do the real work of ministry. Our job is to equip the saints, which is you, for what? For the work of ministry. That ministry is not up here preaching the gospel. That's a part of it, but the real ministry is in your hands, in your relationships where you are right now able to make an impact for the gospel, for the kingdom of God. That is ministry. And if we are not preparing you to do this kind of thing that goes way beyond blessing kids with a backpack in sports but actually develops a relationship that could potentially potentially turn into a life-changing experience through them coming face-to-face with the living God. And we are missing the mark. And, And I'm encouraged, so encouraged, 
You've been hearing stories on the way over to the after party that we celebrated with everybody. Um, my wife sharing a story of one of our youth getting a phone number from one of the kids who didn't even want to come in. He was crying outside, and we had to like drag him into the sanctuary. And he comes away with a friend and a phone number and a potential relationship that wasn't there. I mean, God is so at work, friends. We just have to be willing to be used. And I praise God for all the hands that were willing yesterday and all those that were praying. We set up this entire week to say, if you would just pray Monday for this, Tuesday for this, and I thank you for your prayers because God answered it and will continue to answer those prayers as we go before him and say, here I am, Lord, use me. So I'm just super encouraged by that. All right, you can move off those pictures now. Shift gears. <laughs> We're in Jonah. We've been in Jonah for a whole week. <laughs> we started last week, and uh, I wanted to do just kind of a, a bit of a review slash overview for those of you that weren't with us and then work through some things. But before I do that, I, I just want to pray again and ask for the Lord's help and just kind of settle our hearts and be prepared to receive from him. So uh, just uh, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for God, just how faithful you are how, God, you've called us each to this place for this season, for this purpose, wherever that is. If we're members of this church, God, if we're members of another church just visiting, if we are community members just kind of figuring out where God would have us, Lord, you know where each of us is today and where you desire for us to go. And we want to be sensitive to your leading. Lord, this story that we're studying that you've given us is an illustration of what it looks like to follow after the will of God, the plans and purposes for our lives. And so I pray this morning as we look to your word, you would help each of us to come away with a deeper understanding of ways in which we can follow after you with confidence. Thank you for your help and for your word. I praise you, Jesus. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, if you have questions this morning, you can text them to that number on the screen. Mike and I will come up here at the end. We'll answer those questions as we usually do. That's just a way that we like to provide for you to interact with us. So number right there, text questions. Love to answer those for you. So you see that on the previous slide, we said that this is the battle of two wills. And I'm just going to kind of by way of asking questions, review where we've been. And if you weren't with us, maybe you know some of the answers, and that's great. Go ahead and feel, shout them out if you like. So Jonah was a prophet. And every time I say that, I want to sing the Veggie Tales thing, but, but I've been scolded many times by Mike to not bring up the Veggie Tales version of Jonah, which kind of just skims the surface of what actually is happening in Jonah. I'm just kidding. He hasn't scolded me, but he was a prophet assigned by God to deliver a message to a certain people. So where was Jonah supposed to go in order to deliver this message? Nineveh. Nineveh. Okay. Very good. What was the sort of nature of the message that, G, that uh, Jonah rather was to go and proclaim? It was a message of repentance. repentance. Essentially, like, turn from your ways, turn to God. And why didn't Jonah want to go to this city and proclaim this message to these people? He didn't like it. He didn't think they deserved it. 
He knew God would forgive them. What other overarching reason? Who were these people in terms of their relationship to Israel? Yeah, like they were wicked idolaters. They were enemies. It was like, it's like your most hated group of people, and God tells you to go give them a message of hope and deliverance. And Jonah's like, no, because they don't deserve it, because I know you're going to forgive them, because they're enemies. All the reasons in the world that Jesus had. I mean, that's pretty intense. Pretty extreme, I think, of Jonah. And Mike spent some time last week talking about the idea of having a closed mind towards certain people because of who they are or because of who and how we view them. And see, this is as much a story about loving all people as it is walking in obedience to God. It's just as important. So I I hope we were challenged last week. I hope you've been able to take some time and consider, are there any people in my life that I have categorized, even if unintentionally, as sort of off-limits? Whatever reason it is, I'm not going to go and approach those people, that person, even if it's just loving them as human beings. Not even talking about witnessing to them. Just loving them as human beings. Because let me ask you a question. Are not all people image bearers of God? Yes or no? Even non-Christians. Even your neighbor who is like exceptionally difficult and challenging to love. Even the person who's the polar opposite of you on the political spectrum, who just yells and screams and rants and raves and stands for everything that you you don't believe in. Is that person an image bearer? You guys seem pretty confident about that. Pretty confident. So is there ever a group of people that we can feel justified in not at least seeing as image bearers and worthy of love? No. Any group of people? No. You don't sound as confident about that. The answer is no. There is no group of people that we cannot see at least as an image bearer and worthy of love. Every single person is an image bearer of God. Period. Period. Now, love can come in various forms. That does not mean that we have the opportunity to engage all people. Nor do we think that people who are opposed to us and our Christian views want to be loved by us. But we do much more harm than good by alienating people who don't look or think like us. In fact, I think you'll find as you read through the New Testament Gospels that Jesus was often engaged with people that didn't line up with his teaching. Is that not true? Always with those people. But did that stop him from interacting with them in such a way that he might have an impact in their lives? It did not stop him. In fact, it cost him his life essentially, in the eyes of the world around him. We do well to follow his example and see all people, all human beings, as being worthy of love because they are image bearers of God. And that's what God expects, and that's exactly what we see in Jesus. So practically speaking, that means doing the work of bringing down the walls and barriers that we've created on our own and outside of the wisdom and guidance of the Lord. It's a lot like I said two weeks ago and that Christy kind of mentioned. Not every conversation needs to be about Jesus. If we're living a lifestyle of discipleship, we can't just say every conversation is about Jesus. But every conversation should be seen as at least an opportunity to help people 
discover more about God. If we just have that mindset of like, here's a potential opportunity. So in that vein, not all people are our people. But all people should be viewed through the same lens, that of being images of the living God. And so what it does is it opens the door to be used by God in all settings, in all contexts, with all people. And yes, this is absolutely tempered with wisdom. I'm not saying we put ourselves in dangerous situations or even open the door, perhaps, to the temptation that some certain settings invite. I'm not saying be wild and crazy about I'm just going to go all these places and do all these crazy things. But if this is a story that presses in hard to the idea of loving all people as directed by God, then we need to be open to the idea that God may be calling some of us to love people and bring them the word of God that we are not super excited about. Are you open to that idea? You don't have to answer out loud, but I'm just you need to ask yourself that question. Am I open to the idea that God may be having people in my life that I'm not excited about ministering to, but he's called me to do that? Was, was Jonah excited about what he was about to do? He was not excited. He was the opposite of excited, whatever you want to call that. And so he rebels against God and runs the other way. We saw on the map last week, about as far away as you could get in the other direction. And it's funny how we can sometimes take the word of God and the will of God and see it as something we have a choice in doing. Almost like we have this sort of take it or leave it kind of mentality. It's like, eh, word of God, will of God, calls me to do this. Not this time, God, I think I'm good. The reality is God, God's call on our lives, God's call on your life is always meant to serve someone else. It's always meant to serve someone else. It's like bearing fruit. I can talk about the fruit of the Spirit all the time. And you think about just a practical image of a fruit tree. Does a fruit tree bear fruit for itself? No. No, the whole purpose is for other people. And so the call on your life in the context that you're in and the things that God is asking you to do is for the benefit of other people. That's just the reality of what he calls us to. And so do we do view God's call on our lives like that? Or do we see it, see it as Jonah did? Something that we can sort of discount or dismiss even. And so let's just talk a little bit more briefly about the will of God and the call of our lives because I think this is important. Uh, we all understand as followers of Jesus that there are certain things that we are all called to do. Regardless of where we are or who we are. We're all called to love God and love others, right? We're called to make disciples who make disciples. Those are kind of the two broadest things that I could come up with. Those are for all people. But I think, no, I know <laughs> there are unique roles for each one of us that fall within the, the, the larger category of those two things that are based on our giftings, our spiritual maturity, and our location. Where are you right now? In your spiritual journey, and where are you physically on planet Earth? These things matter. Jonah is a perfect example of that. He had a very specific mission to a very specific people at a very specific time. Who else can you think? Just think big picture, Bible um, stories, if you will, of people that had a unique call on their lives based on their giftings, their spiritual maturity, and their place in life. Paul. Moses. Jesus, Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Timothy, John the Baptist. We can name all of these like big sort of 
looming large in our minds in terms of faith. But there are a lot of, in fact, countless others that kind of come in and out of Scripture that we maybe think, oh, that was a cool story. But think about the Ethiopian eunuch. Right? So here's Philip being called by God to go minister to this Ethiopian eunuch. He's reading the Scriptures, trying to figure things out. Here comes Philip, witnesses to him. He gets saved. He gets baptized. And then where does he go? He goes back home to Africa, where he was headed, with what? With the gospel. All because of this chance meeting of Philip. Right? But he was there based on his availability, his spiritual maturity, and his location. What about the Philippian jailer? Who, based on his proximity to Paul, was witnessed to. And then who ends up getting saved as a result? His entire family is saved and baptized. Because he was in the right place at the right time. However you want to look at it, there was a plan and a purpose of God for that occasion. So if we each have all these various calls on our lives, which we do, we should know a little bit about navigating through them. And I suppose first is knowing what these calls might look like. And certainly not all of us are going to have, probably none of us, who knows, are going to have the Jonah experience where we have this voice from God telling us to go and do something. Uh, although that would be great if we could just get like this sort of download of very specific information to go and live lives. It would be a whole lot easier. But in determining the will and the call of God in our lives, we have a few tools that we've been given. It's not just like open for broad interpretation. We have a few things that God has given us to help us navigate that. Number one is the word of God. As you're trying to figure out what God is calling you to do in your specific place, in your specific circles... What he asks of you will always line up with the word of God. So if you hear somebody say, which I have, I think the Lord, I feel strongly that the Lord is calling me to lead my wife and move over here. And I would say the answer is, no, he's not. Because it does not line up with his word. He would not tell you to do something that is outside of his word. So if you're looking to figure out, like, eh, should I do this or not, does it line up with the word of God? If it doesn't, it's not from him. If it is, okay, let's proceed and see where that goes. We also have the people of God. That's why community is so important. Because as we're navigating through this life, and it can be challenging to follow God into difficult places, we sometimes stray from the path and we get a little bit further away from the, where, where he wants us to be. We have people around us to help encourage us and move us in the right direction. I'll give you a great example. Over the last year and a half or so, I've been on this crazy journey of what I'll classify as just sort of a midlife crisis, questioning what am I doing with my life? Has what I've done mattered? What, where, what am I supposed to do? Do I keep doing this church thing, pastor thing? Like I've had some massive questions in my life, and it wasn't until I actually started talking with other people, my peers, mentors, some of you, that I began to get some clarity and people kept pointing me back to God. And I was able to go with, to God with some very specific questions because other people were encouraging me and walking me through it. And by God's grace, I've come out the other side. And, I, and I'm confident of where God is calling me next. But that's because God's people and God's word directing me through that. And most importantly, perhaps, in those moments is the Holy Spirit who guides us, who directs us, who intervenes, who provides wisdom 
and counsel along the journey. And we see that again and again in the scriptures, don't we? Read about Paul wanting to go up into, where did he want to go and deliver the gospel? He wanted to go to Asia. He was actually on his way to Asia, and what happened? The Holy Spirit literally said, no, you're not going that way. I've got something else in mind. So we see that. I wonder, has anybody had that experience of having the direction of the Holy Spirit in your life and decision-making or figuring out the will of God? Anybody have that experience? Like, yeah, I, I, I've sensed the Spirit. It's not an audible voice, all right? It's not like this crazy, weird, burning yeah, burning bush kind of experience, right? But it happens oftentimes through his word, through his people, <laughs> and the experiences that we're walking through together. So I want to look at the opening chapter of Jonah. You're like, where is this? Where's Jonah in all this? <laughs> Uh, just to give us a little bit of insight into maybe some of what I would call red flags of cause for seeking God's plan and wisdom as we're on the journey. And so the question I want to ask is, are we off course? Are we off course? Because sometimes, even though it's super popular, it was anyway a couple years ago, the just keep swimming or just keep going, just keep going, just, just keep swimming, just keep, what happens if you're going the wrong way? <laughs> Right? What good does just keep going do if you're going the wrong way? It's not always the best practice. Mike spoke last week about sort of taking stock, doing an inventory in your life of where we are in perhaps rebellion to God. And I know that word sounds rough. You're like, rebellion? Ooh, I don't like that word. But let's be real. We're either, we're either in cooperation with God or we're in opposition to God. There's no gray area. There's no middle like, eh, sometimes I'm here, sometimes I'm there. You're either going where God wants you to do or you're going the other way. There, there is no third direction. There's moments and seasons of pause and go like, okay, what am I doing? Where am I supposed to go? Okay, then I get to the... But there's no like just casual middle. Right? There's no just flirting with the idea of Christianity and faith. But it isn't always obvious that we're working against the things of God. Maybe we didn't hear from the Lord and choose the other way like Jonah, but maybe there's areas in your life right now that are not aligning with God's plan for your life. And it's not outright intentional rebellion, but something as simple as inactivity in an area that you know God has been challenging you to grow in. You know, okay, I'm, I need to grow in this area. I've been challenged in it, and you have done nothing to grow in that area. I would call that off the path that God has called you toward. Maybe you don't see it as outright rebellion, but are you doing what you know he called you to do in this season? Yes or no? That's, there's only two answers. All right, put up that um, slide that has the are we off course, if you would, please. Okay, oh yeah, of course. Here's some questions we can look through and look at the text. So put the first one up, please. All right, activity that seems helpful but doesn't include God. So we're thinking about ways in which are maybe red flags to say, am I on the path that God has called me down or am I not? So activity that seems helpful that doesn't include God. Let's look at verses 5 and 7 from Jonah 1. So the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God. Then they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it before them. But Jonah had gone down in the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Verse 7. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. And so they cast lots and they fell on Jonah. So the sailors did a couple of things. They prayed to their own God. 
What else did they do? They threw stuff off the ship. There was a storm, right? If you don't know the story. There's a massive storm, and the ship is going down. So they're praying to their God. They're throwing things overboard to lighten the ship. And then there's one more thing they did in that last verse. They cast lots to figure out whose fault is this? Who can we blame for this? To them, these things seemed right and helpful and logical things to do. But how many of us in our attempts to live out our lives in following Jesus have done things that seemed helpful but didn't really include God at all. That's not to say, though, the practical things cannot be godly things. But we do not include God in the process. Now, is it wise to have a budget if you're trying to manage your money well? Okay, again, not confident, but just so you know, it is wise to have a budget if you want to take good care of your money. But I don't think it's wise or helpful to make a budget and exclude God. We seek guidance and wisdom and how we should spend, give, and invest our money. We ask God those questions. We include them in the process of doing practical things. Makes sense, right? But these guys are just doing, they're just Hail Marys, like pray to God that we don't even believe in, throw stuff off, cast lots, like let's just do everything we can that seem like a good idea but don't really include God. So that's one red flag. Go back to the other side. I know I'm making you jump all over the place, Eladio, but number two, getting answers and doing something else instead. Let's look at verse 11 and 11 through 13. Then they said, these are the sailors, what shall we do to you that the sea, they're talking to Jonah now, what are we going to do uh, that we may, the sea may quiet down for us, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up, hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. So did they know what the answer was? Yes. yes. Take Jonah and throw him over the board. Okay, it was on the, we just read it. They knew what the answer was. Did they do it? No. No. What did they do? They rode harder. Let's just keep doing what we're doing, but maybe if we try a little harder, it will work. Maybe they thought Jonah was out of his mind. Like, why are we going to throw you overboard? That's just dumb. We're not going to do that. Maybe they thought he was crazy. Right? They didn't understand the logic. They just didn't get it. But more realistically, they probably thought, like you and me sometimes, our way is better. God, I got this. Even though I'm seeking information from you, and you give it to me, I got it. So now the question I'm going to ask you is how many of us have found ourselves in the sailor's shoes, getting answers from God, and then doing something else instead? Okay, not as many hands as I thought would have gone up. That tells me one of two things. One, you're lying. <laughs> two, you're ashamed. Or three, you just haven't done this. You haven't actually sought after God in figuring out direction his will, his plan, where should I go, what should I do? And so that's that's a valid reason why you might not raise your hand. All right, and then there's a turning point. Let's go to, to number three on that list. Getting to the end of your own way and trust, trusting in God's. All right, so okay, now we've gone through this process of, of trying things that seemed helpful but didn't really include God. Then we sought God, we got some answers, but we didn't do them. We just kept doing our own thing. And now... 
We're going to find getting to the end of our own way, and then, okay, let's start trusting in God. Let's look at verses 14 through 16. Therefore, they, the, the sailors, called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So once they tried some things that seemed helpful but didn't include God, and once they finally got answers to their problems and didn't do it, then they cried out to God in verse 14, and then they took proper action in verse 15. And I think we could probably, most of us, relate to this scenario. It's the old saying, you know, right, when you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of God. It's not a great parallel, but you get the point of this picture. Another way we might see ourselves off course is that we keep getting rerouted. So Jonah tried to go down to Tarshish, right? He was fleeing from God. And as he was doing that, he was going to the bottom of the boat. And he got rerouted because who went down there? The captain went down there. He's like, get out of there. Get back up. So he's still on the boat and he's trying to go to Tarshish still. And then in his rebellion, he gets kicked off the boat into what? Into the sea and into the fish. We haven't gotten there yet. Spoilers. He gets swallowed by a fish. Rerouted. No, no longer going to Tarshish. I see this idea in trying to follow the plans and will of God like a GPS. And I would say more specifically, a GPS rerouting. So all of you have your own favorite GPS system. Some of you like Google Maps or Apple Maps or, or Rand McNally. You know. <laughs> Triple A, quick, quick trips. You, you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, ways, all these different things that we use, right? And so we're familiar with the process, even if we don't use them, because I know some people are like, no, I'm not doing the smartphone thing. Even if you don't use them, you know the idea. You plug in the destination, and what does it give you? It gives you the route. And then you click go, and you start following the little blue or red or yellow line, right? And then you miss a turn. Or you turn early, or you turn late. And what does it do? Rerouting. 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 Boom. You got a new route. Let me ask you a question. In that rerouting process, did the destination change? It did not. It remained the same. But you are on a different path now. You're still going to the same place on a different route. Sometimes we depart the path, the route that God gives us to the destination that he's calling us toward. And I'm not talking like heaven, like our final destination. Like maybe there's something else between here and there that he wants you to accomplish, right? And so he's got a plan and a purpose and he's like, this is it. And you're like, okay, I'm on that path. And then for whatever reason, I get distracted and now I'm over here and he's rerouting me and now I gotta go this way. And I'm, you're familiar with, with what I'm kind of trying to explain to you. Has that happened to anybody? I wonder. Just think real quick, in your years, months, days of following Jesus, and your genuine pursuit of wanting to go after him, maybe that's like, should I take this job? Should I buy this house? Should I marry this person? Should I invest in this? Should I serve in this church? Should, whatever that is, and you hear and you get this sort of confirmation, yes, go in that direction. You begin to go in that direction, and then life or personal circumstances or straight-up rebellion takes you off that path. And here's the reality. Sometimes we might end up 
in the belly of the fish. May happen. Either by direct choice or by slowly moving in the wrong direction. We can sometimes get rerouted. And when we get really far off course, like Jonah did, he stops speaking through his word and he starts speaking through his works. Okay, I'm done talking to you. I can't get your attention. Here comes the storm. Maybe this will get your attention now. That's not a, like a threat or anything. I, I, I have no role. I'm just telling you, this is what it took to get a hold of Jonah. Here's the word. Do this. Do this. Do this. No, I'm not going to do this. Okay. Fine. I'll get your attention somehow. It's kind of like, how many times do I have to learn the same lesson before I can move on sort of thing? All right, two more things and I'll quickly wrap up. Admitting you're wrong isn't the same as repentance. If we're looking at this story, Jonah told the sailors he was fleeing from God in verse 10. He admits fault and gives them the solution to their problem in verse 12, but there's no repentance for his rebellion. He never goes to God. Even to the end of the story, again, spoiler, he never repents. It's just an idea to consider as we go through this story. Admitting fault is not the same thing as repentance. It's like saying sorry and not meaning it. It's not the same thing, but it's similar if you want like a, a, a worldly parallel, right? you got to own it and repent before the Lord and then get back on the right path. The second thought is this. God uses our selfish desires for good. Right? God accomplishes so much even in our rebellion. Just as people can be negatively impacted by our sin, which we learned about last week, others can benefit by God's grace through our rebellion as well. Jonah's rebelling. The ship is going crazy. The sailors are freaking out. They're panicking. If Jonah was on that ship, he wasn't in rebellion, they probably would have never had this experience. But he is there in his rebellion. And as a result of that, what do they end up doing at the end of chapter 1? They praise God and offer a sacrifice to him. Think about that. God uses Jonah's rebellion as a means of grace to help the sailors who were just there along in the story. Now that's not a license to flee from God. Go, oh, God will use this rebellion of mine for good. So don't think like that, okay? But it's another example of how good and faithful God truly is. All right, let's end on some practical application because I think that's significant. Who are the people in your life right now? You need to ask yourself this question. Who are the people in your life right now that God wants you to love and develop a relationship with? There's somebody right now in your life, and maybe it's somebody that you have discounted or put that wall or category is like, nope, that's not that person. I don't know. Maybe it's just a neighbor. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a student in your class. But who is it? that God has put in your life that he wants you to love and develop a relationship with. And then the next question is, what steps do I need to take in order to begin that process this week? I would highly encourage you and be so, so thrilled if you would ask yourself those questions and move in that direction. Because it's kind of like the event we did yesterday. If we just did a cool sports camp and handed out backpacks. That would have been awesome. But what opportunities did we miss in developing relationships? And maybe you sat through these 35 minutes and 46 seconds 
And you're like, oh, that was, that was an okay message. I got something out of that. And then you did nothing with it. What opportunities do we miss? When in reality, we're learning in our Friday Night Life group that God calls us to action. Being doers of the word and not hearers only. Do you want to be the one that looks at himself in the mirror and walks away and forgets what he looks like? In other words, do you want to have an encounter with the word of God and go, man, I want to do this, and you walk away and do nothing? Because the reality is, and I know I'm being a little heavy-handed here, but that's just the Spirit is moving in me to do that. That's a majority of Christians. They have all the best intentions of the world living out their faith in practical ways of being a witness, a light, an ambassador, a minister of reconciliation, a disciple maker. And yet days and weeks and months and years go by with zero fruit. Why? Why? I don't know. I do know, but I'm going to end it there because... Be doers of the word and not hearers only. And maybe you got something completely different out of this and you're like, God, I want to do this. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Like, I'm just giving you some suggestions and some options here. But you're very capable of going to the word of God and getting things for yourself. In fact, I would love to see myself be put out of a job, if I'm being honest. To where you could go to this, read Jonah 1 and go, oh, this is what it says? Okay, I can do that. Let me go and do it. I don't need somebody up here to... 35 minutes speak at me and then just expect me to do something with it. Because you don't need that. You're very capable because you have the Holy Spirit and you have the Word of God. That's truly all you need. Now God uses community and people and all the things that I said earlier. But take take me and take Mike and whoever's up here and just kind of push us off to the side. Because even though we love being here and, and preaching the Word of God is important and significant. Man, if you're not in this on a regular basis for your own discovering truth for yourself, then what we have to say is probably not going to have the impact that I think it should. So get in the Word and be doers of the Word, not hearers only. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your mercy and your grace and your goodness. And Lord, I pray that people hear the Spirit of God through the Word of God this morning and through through me. And I know sometimes I, I get in the way, Lord. And, and forgive me if I've gotten in the way this morning, if I've somehow just caused too many questions to be asked about what it is that we're supposed to be doing, but I think, Lord, that you're calling this church, you are calling this church to a new season of being faithful stewards of what we've been given, which is a great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that we've commanded, all that you've commanded us. And Lord, I just, I don't think I could stand before you and hear well done, good and faithful servant, Lord God, if, if I wasn't a part of the process of seeing your people grow in this community, in this place, and be stretched challenged to be faithful stewards. And I'm so grateful, Lord. I'm so grateful for your grace that abounds because we miss it. I miss it all the time. All the time. 
I missed it on the airplane coming home from St. Louis. I had a great opportunity, Lord. You saw it, and I missed it. But your grace abounds, and you continue to, to, to help us along the path as we become more like you and less like ourselves. And I just pray that we would each take just a small step on the path in the direction you've called us. Just a small step. It can be overwhelming. But God, that's why you brought us together to do it in community. So thank you for your encouragement this morning. Thank you for your hope. Thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for the fact, Lord Jesus, that we can do none of this apart from you and the work you've done. God, we've been freed. We've been set free. And we want to share that freedom and hope with others. Pray for your grace and your blessings upon us today, God. Be glorified in every way as you desire. As we love you and love others. Just thank you in Jesus' name.